I'm so glad to have a lot of my family here today. Uh, just my wife. Oh, yeah, everyone know what. <laughs> but uh, my brother and his wife, Don and Linda, came in from Tennessee for the wedding. Then our daughter, Kim, from uh, New York came uh, down. And then uh, our granddaughter, Felicia, and our grandson. This is not the one that got married. Uh, but uh, Felicia and Josiah. And then our kind of adopted daughter from Atlanta, uh, I'll call her Mary Catherine, since her mother is here with her today, because she doesn't like for us to call her any of our pet names, so she's Mary Catherine, and then uh, Dolly is there, and then uh, Linda. Uh, so we're just so glad to have uh, a whole row of family uh, here this morning, all right? Good. Thank you. We've been studying the Gospel of Mark, and we're to the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 13 through verse 17, we're going to be looking at today. Very interesting passage. Uh, It seems like this last week of Jesus, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all of his, uh, all the enemies are doing everything they can to try to trick him, to try to trap him. He was so popular with the people. The Bible says the common people heard Jesus gladly they love the message and of course uh, what I found over the years that when I go out and talk to people about coming to Jesus so many of them have a negative attitude but as you get to study and get to learn a little bit about them their attitude is not really against Jesus their attitude is against the church it's against religion it's against uh, ritualism. It's against judgmentalism. It's against critical spirits and things like that. And so many of them have grown up and gone to churches where religion was more important than loving God and knowing Jesus and just fellowshipping with one another. So many of them have been in churches where there were big fights and there were big power struggles and, and uh, maybe... a pastor uh, became a a, a super authority oriented and and, uh, they had a big power struggle between the deacons and the pastor or something like that or sometimes uh, there was immorality and there was a pastor ran off with a pianist or something it's not going to happen here I guarantee you Uh, and uh, but uh, but but Something happened, something happened in which the, the, the people just got kind of jaded. They got burned out. They got uh, hurt in, uh, in church. And so when you go and talk to them, they're not hearing the love and grace of God. They're not hearing the, the love of Jesus. They're just thinking, they're hearing it all through a filter of religious hurt and disappointment and things like that and that's what was true in Jesus day I mean the the people growing up in Jerusalem the lepers and the outcasts and the other people uh, the the religious system pushed them away and Jesus comes and he says come to me just come to me all you who are burdened all of you who are worn out, all of you who are tired, and a lot of them were tired of religion. And Jesus said, come to me, and I'll give you rest. It's just a shame today 
that people have to wade through so much religious mumbo-jumbo and junk to come to Jesus sometimes. And, uh, and Jesus wants us to be able to say to people, hey, Jesus came not to start some kind of religious movement. He came to draw people to a loving Savior who wants to give them forgiveness of their past, abundant life in their present, and absolute assured heaven for their future. That's, that's what Jesus came to do. And when people can really hear that and understand that, they might be able to overcome some of the hurt and some of the other stuff that they've waded through in their life. Well, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians, another religious political group in that day, they came to Jesus. Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. It's so funny. They use flattery and false kind of hypocritical praise and things like this, but they really have come with malice in their heart. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians. Now, the Herodians was kind of a political religious group. Herod Antipas was the uh, grandson of Herod the Great. And Herod Antipas was the governor over the uh, Jerusalem, the Judean area. And uh, he had a group of people. He wasn't even a Jew. He was an Edomian. And, uh, and yet there was a strong group of people, a large group of people, who supported Herod. And so these Herodians, if you want to, you know, Google it, you can read about the Herodians. I'd rather talk about something else besides that in church on Sunday morning. But uh, uh, this, this group, they came to Jesus to try to trap him in his talk. Has that ever happened to you? Anybody ever come to you and they come uh, trying to act like they're your friend, but they're really trying to get you to say something wrong that they can can get you. Then they say, gotcha. Okay, well, that's what they were hoping to do with Jesus. They came and they said to him, Teacher, now we know that you are true and that you don't care about anybody's opinion. So they oh, they're phrasing, well, that was the truth, but that wasn't they didn't. And we know that you're not swayed by appearances and you truly teach the way of God. So they're kind of, think they're buttering him up, you know. They, 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 they're giving him all this flattery, praise, and everything like that. And then he said, they said, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? They thought, now we've got him really in a bind here because if he says yes it's right to pay taxes to Caesar then all these people who are who are just so burdened with their taxes <coughs> they're going to turn against him and these were many of the common people and uh and, and but if if he says no it's not lawful we shouldn't pay our taxes then we can report him to the authorities and they'll they'll turn against him so look like a trick but knowing their hypocrisy <laughs> I like that knowing their hypocrisy he said to them why why put me to this kind of a test bring me a 
bring me a coin, bring me a denarius, and let me look at it. And denarius, that was the poll tax. Every male in Israel had to pay once a year a poll tax, which amounted to about one day's wage. And uh, there was a coin that uh, was the required amount to pay. And what, a day's wage today would be about what amount, reckon? What is a day's wage? I guess it depends on who you are. Uh, for some people, maybe the average, what? Is $100, is that too high? $100 bill. All right, so I said, bring me a $100 bill. Let me look, see whose picture's on it. Well, of course, it had been Ben Franklin today, but, uh, but on that day, the denarius that was coined for that particular time had a picture of uh, Tiberius Caesar on it. And Tiberius Caesar, and it had written on the side of the coin. In fact, you can go online. You can even find a picture of the coin that was uh, uh, of that day. And, uh, and it says, uh, Tiberius Caesar, son of Augustus the Divine, something like that, son of the Divine. And so uh, it was just blasphemous, actually. But uh, so they said, he said, uh, bring, me a, bring me a coin. Bring me one of those uh, de- denarius. And they brought him one. And he said to them, hmm, whose picture's on here? And whose inscription is this? Well, they said, well, it's Caesar's. And then Jesus said, uh, then you give to Caesar what Caesar's. And you give to God the things that are God's. They marveled at him. Now, they probably mumbled about him, too. But they marveled. They thought, man, this guy's so smart. We can't get him caught. He's kind of like Quicksilver, kind of like Mercury in a... You ever, when I was a little boy, we broke a thermometer. Me and my brother broke a thermometer. We wondered, well, what that stuff is in there, that silver stuff, you know, that when you put it in your mouth and it goes up. So we broke a thermometer and it spilled out on the floor. And we tried to pick it up. And you can't pick it up. Don't try it. You're not supposed to touch that stuff. But uh, we tried to pick it up, and every time we'd squeeze it, it just get away. And then we heard our mother coming, and so we just slapped it like that. <laughs> and it just kind of squirted everywhere, just little balls. It looked like little tiny BBs just everywhere, you know. We roll them to rake them together, and they'd come back together in one little ball. I don't remember. How do we ever get that up? I don't remember. I don't remember. Maybe we didn't get it, huh? Huh? We didn't eat it. We didn't eat it. That's right. <laughs> Maybe mother got it up. I don't know. But uh, it was kind of fun to play with. But I think we got in some real serious trouble for breaking the thermometer. But uh, but that's the way you know. Jesus said. Uh, uh, I mean, the people said, we can't trap this guy. Everything, we, we try to grab him, and he just gets away. And nothing nothing sticks on him, you know. And he's kind of like uh, the mercury in a thermometer. We can't, get, we can't trap him in anything. And uh, so Jesus had said to them an amazing thing. He said, uh, in, in essence, hey, look, we, we live kind of in two worlds. We live in a world where we're citizens of Rome. 
we actually belong, of course, many of the people there weren't Roman citizens, but they were under the control of Rome. So they were, they, and, and the Apostle Paul was a Roman citizen, by the way, but, uh, but many of the people weren't Roman citizens, but they were Roman subjects. And so he said, uh, the things that belong to Caesar, you give to Caesar. But the things that are God's, you give to God's. By the way, he would still say that to us today. And do you know that you and I, really are citizens of two kingdoms. We are citizens of the United States of America. And we owe some things to Caesar. Now, we don't have a Caesar. We don't have a king like uh, a lot of countries do. We have a a system of uh, checks and balances. But we're under the governmental authority of what? What What is our governing authority? It's not the president. It's the Constitution. We have a Constitution that we're under as citizens, and it is really our Caesar, in a sense. So we are to render to the government the things that belong to the government. But we're to render to God the things that belong to God because we're citizens of both kingdoms. If you're a Christian... You have another king. You have a king who is Jesus. And you're in, a, you're in a, a kingdom, the kingdom of God. But you live physically in the kingdom of the United States of America. So how, how, do, we, how do we balance that? What, what belongs to Caesar? What belongs to God? And that's what I want us to think about for the next few minutes. And by the way, listen, look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, in case you're wondering if you're a citizen in another kingdom. Uh, and incidentally, I'll go ahead and say this, just uh, try to irritate somebody. Uh, it's good to be a loyal, faithful American. But if there's ever a time when we have to make a choice between following our King Jesus and even the laws that are passed in our land, it is really to be a no-brainer for us. Our allegiance, our highest allegiance is always to King Jesus. And and we, we're, to, we're to honor our civil authorities, but we're not to obey them if they tell us to disobey our highest authority. We'll see that in this. But look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it... We await a Savior, the Lord, the Master, the King, Jesus Christ. So I'm an American citizen, but I also, I have dual citizenship. And I am a citizen of heaven, and that's where my true allegiance lies. And then 1 Peter chapter 2 Verse 11 says something very similar to that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. 
says, I urge you, beloved, as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. He says, while you're here on this earth, you are you're sojourners. You're, you're away from home. You're exiles. And an exile is somebody that's away from their, from their home. You say, well, I thought America was my home. Well, no. America may be the part of the planet in which you live and where your uh, uh, political citizenship is. But as the old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. We're just here for a little while, but we'll be there a whole lot longer. So what do we owe to Caesar? What do we owe to our government? Uh, By the way, our government... I criticize America a lot sometimes because that's what preachers are supposed to do. Uh, we're, we're supposed to point out things that aren't like it ought to be, and, and there's some things that aren't, like it, that aren't like they ought to be in America, that's for sure. But I tell you, there's a lot of good things about America. If you've traveled much, if you go to other countries and spend much time in other countries, it'll give you a, a greater sense of appreciation for what is right about America. And I was just, uh, I don't know, how many of you have read the Constitution of the United States of America? Let me see. Okay, quite a few of you. Uh, that's more than in most congregations. Most congregations, there's about a, a fifth, maybe, of people who have actually read the Constitution. Now, I don't mean just as a school assignment, I mean to sit down and 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 read that. I know there's some of you say, well, yeah, I think I had to read that when I was in the eighth grade or something like that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but it, it'd just be interesting to don't we have some copies of the Constitution? Didn't you bring some, Joyce? Uh, I just was looking even just at the preamble of the Constitution. Most of you memorized that somewhere along the way. We the people of the United States. In order to form a more perfect union. In other words, we don't want a bunch of tribal kings and rulers all fighting one another. We don't want even a bunch of states that are at war with one another. We're, we're establishing this constitution to kind of bring us all together. And give us a sense of overall unity to form a more perfect union. And in order to establish justice so that... Uh, People feel like they can, at least should be able to get somewhat of a fair, just deal in society. In fact, the first uh, five, anyway, or six of the Bill of Rights have to do with establishing justice. And to ensure domestic tranquility, that doesn't just mean you don't have any fights in your home, but it means uh, that to keep, to avoid civil war and, and to promote the general welfare, that is to try to make sure that overall, generally, people are kind of taken care of and that you don't have people who are blind and people who are crippled and people who are uh, unable to work, that there's some kind of care 
for them, welfare for them, not, not the welfare system, of, and then to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. That's why we're establishing this Constitution. That's pretty good, isn't it? I'm thankful to live in a country that values justice and values a concern for the needs of people and to, oh, and I left out one. Uh, which one did I leave out? Provide for the common defense. That So we want to have a military to protect ourselves. So there are good things about America. And a lot of those things were not true when Jesus said, render to Caesar what Caesar's. So what are we to give to Caesar? Well, one thing, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, this is what we owe to our government. This is what I owe to President Trump. This is what I owe to Governor Abbott. This is what I owe to, uh, uh, well, my goodness, Mayor Who's the mayor here in Glen Heights? I just talked to him just the other day. Who? Kate. Yeah, Tate. Mayor Tate, that's right. That's Tate. Okay. Don't tell him I couldn't remember his name. But uh, this is what I owe to, uh, to my government. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. First of all, I urge that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and for all who are in high positions in order that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. I am supposed to pray for my leaders. I owe that to them. Now, there are people who say, well, I just hate the president. All right, that's fine. Shame on you for hating anybody, but you ought to pray for them. You ought to be, I tell you what, he needs our prayers. And uh, we had a president before President Trump that I didn't agree with a lot of his uh, policies and things, but I did pray for him. I prayed for him regularly, and he needed our prayers. And and our president and our governor and our mayor, Tate, and, uh, and, and other officials need our prayers. They carry a heavy load. I had the opportunity last Monday night, Tuesday night, to pray at City Hall down here in, in Glen Heights. And they asked me about once every two or three months to come and have the invocation before the council meeting. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that they want to start every meeting with a, a prayer. And uh, I prayed a, an impassioned prayer last uh, Tuesday night. And uh, when I finished, I tell you, half the people in there said, Amen. Amen. And I appreciated that. There were a few who said, oh, me. But, uh, but 
I, I just want you to know we need to be prayer. That's what we owe that to Caesar. We owe service in our community to our to our community. We owe obedience. Listen to First Peter chapter two, verse thirteen. It's written by Simon Peter, and it was written at a time when guess who was the emperor when he wrote this? His name was Nero. He was a demented, cruel, vicious emperor. And Peter says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or, I think, uh, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. He says, you obey the civil authorities. And there are people who feel like, I think, that, well, since I'm a Christian and I have allegiance to a higher government, I don't have to obey what the government says. Now, it's true we don't have to obey the government if the government tells us to break God's law. But laws are given, governmental laws are given to protect Society in general. And uh, sometimes I break the law. But I pay for it when I get caught. Yeah. (laughs) I met with our police chief day before yesterday here at the church. We talked for a while and had a great conversation. I was supposed to have met him the week before, but I was up at the hospital downtown Dallas and was in a situation where I just couldn't leave. And so I was 15 minutes late getting here, and I missed my meeting with him. But I told him, I said, I just didn't feel right about speeding to go meet the police chief. (laughs) And he said, well, I'm glad you didn't. But, uh, yeah, we're supposed to obey the laws. We're to be obedient. And then we're to pay our taxes. We're to pay our taxes. Nobody likes to pay taxes, do they? I don't. Joyce kind of helped me figure my taxes this year. And she's going to call me one day the next week or two and say, well, here's how much you owe, and I'm going to fuss, and I'm going to say, oh, man, you know. But then I'll remember this sermon, and I'll think, oh, I need to pay my taxes. And it's, we benefit from the taxes that are paid. And uh, so we don't agree with everything that our taxes are used for, but we benefit. I'm glad to have nice roads. In fact, I talked to the police chief about when are they going to fix Hampton Road here. And he said, it's on the schedule. He said, they're just waiting for this new subdivision to get done down here, and then they're going to. So I said, okay. I'll just keep coming down Bear Creek. And, uh, but uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad for the benefits that we, that we have from our taxes. Don't agree with all of it, but some of it. But so those are the things we're to give to Caesar. 
There may be some other things. What else are we supposed to give to Caesar? Well, I don't know. You think about it. But what are we supposed to give to God? He said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Okay, we're going to give Caesar. We're going to pray for Caesar. We're going to pay our taxes to Caesar. We're going to serve in the community. And uh, we're going to obey the laws that Caesar puts down as long as they don't contradict God's laws. But what do we give to God? What do we owe to him? Well, we owe him everything. <laughs> we owe him our, our love, our affection. The very first commandment, the greatest commandment of all the commandments is to love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. So we're to, we're to, we're to give him our, our love, our heart, our affection. That's what we owe to him. And we're to owe, we owe a full obedience to him. Acts chapter 5, verse 29, the apostles said when they were told to break the law, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. There are certain countries in our world today where the laws say they cannot worship God. They cannot meet together. They cannot witness. But people do it. Did you know that one out of every 11 Christians in our world today is facing some persecution. One out of every 11 is facing persecution. And why? Because they say we have to obey God rather than men. No matter what the laws of our, no matter what Caesar says, God says, and we obey what God says. And I'll tell you another thing that belongs to God that does not belong to Caesar, and that's our, that's our, our children. Our children don't belong to, to the government. Now, there are some people in the government today who kind of have the idea that the government is responsible to educate, to raise, and to indoctrinate our children. Well, that's just not true. Christian parents... We are responsible for our children, and they belong to God. The Bible says children are a heritage of the Lord. They're not a, a, a gift of the state, and they're not a ward of the state. They belong to God, and they, we bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if... Uh, if there is a time, and there are times and there are places where parents have had to say, we cannot have our child in a school where ungodly principles are being taught and pushed and philosophies are being taught that are destructive and counter what we learn at home and what we teach at home. And I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know the full answer to it. I know there are charter schools that may have a little bit more Christian emphasis than some government schools. 
And I know there are private schools and Christian schools, but many times they're so expensive. That's terrible. And then there's the option of homeschooling with maybe a homeschool co-op of some kind where kids, where parents can work together to teach subjects that they're fine with. And then there, there are public schools that are good, strong, healthy public schools. All three of our kids graduated from a public school. They all went to Red Oak. But I tell you what, we met with their teachers. We knew their teachers, and we knew what they were being taught. And I remember one time one of our kids came home and said, man, we got a teacher that curses in class and says anti-Christian things. And so we invited that teacher over to our home for dinner. And we roasted it. No. (laughs) (laughs) But we had a conversation with him. And then we finished by saying, now what, what does that have to do with the subject that you're teaching the kids? And by the way, that teacher apologized to us, and he apologized to the class. For, for that. And we were able to leave our kids in the school. Now, we homeschooled some of them for a while. Some of them were in a Christian school for a while. And I think parents are responsible to determine what is best for each kid each year. And so I'm just saying all that to say that your kids don't belong to the government. They belong to you and they belong to God. And uh, you see to it that what they're being taught is not false and wrong, okay? Any questions about that? Ask somebody. Okay. And then the fourth thing is we owe God our witness. We owe it to be faithful. The Bible, Jesus said, be witnesses unto me. You say, well, I thought I, I witnessed unto lost people. Well, we talk to, to all people, but our witness is his witness. We're witnessing unto him. We're, we're, we're witnessing for him. A witness is somebody who tells what they have seen and experienced and know to be true, and they just share it. And that's really what we do as Christians. But we owe that to God to be faithful, to tell other people who he is, what he's done, and how to know him. We owe that to God. So we render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. We render unto God the things that are God's. And I just would... uh, kind of close the service by urging us to, to think along those lines. What, what do I owe? What does the Bible say I owe to my government? Well, I don't want to be, I don't want to not pay that my debt. I want to do for the government what God tells me to. And in America, praise the Lord, we have the right to fuss and grumble and complain about our government. And it's okay. You can do that. And uh, the Bible doesn't say we have to agree. It doesn't say that we have to uh, just cheerfully do this and that. 
we can fuss and grumble and we can even protest. That's all right, too, if we do it in a peaceful way. But what we do owe is our prayers and our service support and our obedience to the laws, the just laws of the land. But then we give to God what's his. We give him what is his. And if there's ever a conflict, if there's ever a a pull, and the government says, no, you owe that to me, we say, no, I owe that to God. Then we say, I pray for my government, I support my government, I obey my government, but I must obey God rather than men when they contradict one another. So, Our church, we've said that we are a family of Jesus followers. That's who we are. That's our identity. We're a family. That is, we we have the same father. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're a family. But we're a family of people who follow Jesus. We're not a family of religious observance. We're not even a family of, of... Baptists, even though I guess everybody here is one maybe, but well, not, maybe not everybody. But, but we're a family of Jesus followers. We follow him. And that's what I would call for you today. I would say, would you follow Jesus? Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. Follow him. Be able to say with all your heart, I've made the choice to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for how pertinent it is, how contemporary it is, how it deals with real issues in our life. And I pray that you will help us as followers of Jesus. To be able to give to Caesar, to give to our government the things that belong to the government. But to never give to the government the things that belong to you. And help us to be able to say from the bottom of our heart, I've decided to follow Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.